0: Hello, I'm Alec and this is Scandal 101. recording right now and outside of my apartment there's a really dry tree and it gets really close to the wall of my apartment and I'm all for nature but like all of the leaves are dead (laughs) and I feel like if there were a spark to go on that tree it would just go up super quick kind of yeah That's not why you're here, though. Hello, welcome to Scandal 101. Thanks for tuning in to part two of the Wendy's Finger and Chili scandal. I'm recording this the day after I recorded part one. So in terms of a scandal update, there's really nothing going on new comparatively to yesterday that I saw. But for you, it's been a whole weekend. So I hope you had a good weekend since uh, episode one came out or episode one, good god, part one came out. On part one, hopefully you listened all the way to the end. In that episode, I started doing a thing where, kind of like from My Favorite Murder, how they do my hometown murders, I am going to read your personal scandals that you sent into the email, so just like I did Uh, in the part one episode. At the end of this episode I am going to be reading a scandal from a listener who sent it in. So to that person, thank you so much and you will all be able to listen to it at the end. And we are gonna jump into part two. I'm just gonna do a quick review of what we talked about in part one. Definitely go listen to it before listening to this one just so you can be totally up-to-date with where we are in terms of the scandal. I'm talking about it in terms of like a timeline, so if you don't listen to part one you might be a little lost on some background information, but a quick overview of what happened in part one. In part one, we were introduced to the situation, which is a woman named Anna Ayala found a finger in her chili at Wendy's, quote unquote. Wendy's did a thorough investigation and they found that the finger did not come from any of the employees. It did not come from any of their suppliers or any internal source. So at that point, a criminal investigation has been launched to figure out what's happening. Where did this finger come from? How could it possibly have ended up in the chili? And where we left off, is reports are starting to come out about Anna Ayala being involved in past fraud and then other lawsuits with corporations, so her character is starting to look a little less than reliable, is a nice way of putting it. So where we're picking up is Day 10. So on Day 10, frustrations are growing. Restaurants, Wendy's restaurants in the Bay Area are continuously losing money, they're losing business, customers are hesitant to go there because from what they know someone found fingers in their food. (laughs) I wouldn't want to go there if I thought that had happened. And the restaurant owners franchisees were frustrated because from the outside it really didn't look like things were happening as fast as they should be. So that's day 10. We go ahead and move to day 17 where Anna Ayala's house and her father's house are searched in Las Vegas. Just from the what was reported, you might remember in part one, her house was searched before, and I couldn't really find any information in terms of why the house was searched again, or if if they found something that required them to search again. There wasn't a lot of explanation, but Once again, her house was searched on day 17 as well as her father's house. And then there was also a rumor going around that the finger was brought in from Mexico after an accident with a ranch hand. So Mexican law enforcement were also asked to help with this investigation. So this investigation is growing huge. You have the San Jose Police Department. You have the Health Department in San Jose. Now there's Mexican law enforcement. And then there's also at least one private investigator being involved in what what's going on. And then on April 13th, from the New York Times article by Richel and Barry Nuevo in 2005, police in San Jose investigate a case of a woman who, quote, lost part of her finger in a leopard attack, end quote. She owned several exotic animals. Immediately, my mind went to Tiger King, the show that I think a lot of people binged when quarantine started because who can't get enough of Joe Exotic, even though he is a, a troubling person, openly threatening to kill people? Also, only a finger was lost after being attacked by a leopard. My mental picture of what a leopard looks like is like a, a big cat thing. So the fact that she only lost a finger, I would consider myself lucky if I was attacked by a leopard and only lost a finger. That woman did go on Good Morning America, and police later said that they could not connect her to the famous finger that was found in the chilies. When in the chilies, uh, whoa, chilies. No, they couldn't connect the finger that was found in the Wendy's chili because the fingerprints didn't match. So there was this rumor, but it was squashed pretty quickly. At this point, it had been a little under a month since. The This whole case had, had broken into the public's eye and there was still a lot of attention on the case, but there was especially a lot of attention on Anna Ayala. Mysteriously, on day 22 of this scandal, Anna tells reporters that she is no longer pursuing a lawsuit against Wendy's and her lawyer also confirmed that he was no longer representing her. One of the things Anna Ayala cited was the stress and the misery of being in the public spotlight. Those things were part of the reason why she was like, you know what, I just don't want to pursue this lawsuit anymore. It's becoming too much. And that comes from the Manning article in Loss Prevention Magazine. My thoughts on that are, yes, like, I I can definitely understand, well, I've never really been in the public light in- in a way like that, but I can imagine that it would be pretty stressful. But at the same time, she did voluntarily go on Good Morning America with her lawyer and talk about what happened. It's hard for me to have sympathy for someone who is voluntarily broadcasting themselves on national television, furthering the story. Whether true or not, you chose to go on that network, and so, just just that gives me a little hesitation to give her sympathy, but at the same time, I can, imma- I can imagine that it would probably be really overwhelming to have all that attention on you. From that same New York Times article that I mentioned earlier, Wendy's was trying really hard to rebuild the company's reputation, as well as bring people back to their stores on the West Coast. In 48 Bay, area stores. As a sign of customer appreciation, Wendy's was offering free milkshakes to customers, and then they also made the decision to mail out coupons to residents in the area around the restaurant where this all took place. Lastly, they were also going to introduce a new deli sandwich in the Bay Area restaurants. And Mr. Lynch said about that, and from last episode, Mr. Lynch is the head of the communications department. He said, quote, We need to get customers thinking about Wendy's again. They've been taken out of that mindset, end quote. Now, day thirty two, so just over a month out from when this happened. Anna Ayala is arrested on fraud charges on April 23rd. Remember back to part one when someone called the hotline that Wendy's established about trailer fraud transaction? That's initially what got her in. Her husband was also arrested, but on failure to provide child support in the amount of over $400,000. So it seems like both of them are, in in my opinion, not the greatest people in the world. They've definitely got some character building to do, to work on. You know, self-help, self-improvement, maybe they can grow a little bit in that area. Looking at a different New York Times article, but still by the same authors, Rachel and Barry Nuevo, even though Anna was arrested, police still were not accusing her of planting the finger in the chili. However, one source I found did say that she was arrested on the fraud and hoax charges in conjunction with the fraud of the trailer. So some sources said she was arrested just on like the trailer fraud charges. Another source said that she was arrested on fraud charges in terms of the Wendy's hoax and the trailer charges. So just a little bit of different information from different sources, but either way, she was arrested along with her husband. Regardless of what story uh, you read about, one thing that was consistent was police were not saying that she had planted the finger. They weren't saying where the finger came from in any means, but they did say that the finger definitely did not come from Wendy's or their suppliers. With Anna Ayala getting arrested, she could face up to six years and two months in prison. One of the charges was for the Wendy's hoax and then additional time for the mobile home fraud. So it does kind of seem like she was arrested on both of those charges but I just wanted to let you know that some sources are saying she was just arrested on the trailer fraud charges. The big the big ticket question in this scandal is where the heck did this finger come from? Because Wendy's did a great job of doing their own internal investigation, tracking down the employees, tracking down their suppliers, their manufacturers, they were looking at accident reports, and they found nothing that talked about someone losing a finger in the internal sources of Wendy's. So the big question remains, where did this, where did this finger come from? We get that answer on day 53 police announced that they have used DNA to figure out who the finger belongs to. According to reporting from ABC News, the finger belongs to a man named Brian Rossiter. Brian was a co-worker of Anna's husband, and he had lost his finger in a work accident. From Kendall Ray's video, in December of 2004, Brian's gloved hand was caught in a truck lift and his finger was severed. After the holidays, Brian apparently brought the finger to work to show it off to his coworkers, I don't understand why, but he apparently brought his finger to work to show it off. And Anna's husband, Jamie, had apparently bought the fingertip for $100 and told Brian about what he and Anna were planning on doing. However, in some other sources I found, the story was that Brian had a debt to Anna's husband, and to pay off the debt, Anna's husband Jamie wanted the finger. So either way, the finger was transferred from Brian to Jamie. There's really no solid information in terms of if the finger was actually bought or if it was transferred to settle a debt, but either way, the finger did go from Brian to Jamie, and again, Jamie is Anna's husband. One thing that Brian was adamant about was he claimed he never knew about this scam and he was never charged with anything even though the finger was his and the story seems like the finger was given the like the finger was given to Jamie Anna's husband but Anna and Jamie are saying yep Brian knew about it Brian is saying I had no idea what was going on I just I just gave him my finger <laughs> oh, so Brian claimed he never knew and he was never charged. And Brian did eventually come forward and let police know that Anna and her husband offered him $250,000 to stay quiet. By that, I'm perceiving it as Brian may not have known initially, but after he kind of put the pieces together, Jamie and Anna were like, you know what, if you stay quiet, we'll give you $250,000 after this whole thing settles down. But I think the important thing to remember with this is that Brian, the source of the finger, was never charged with anything. Now, looking to the sentencing and part of the aftermath of this crime. Of course, Anna and her husband were sentenced for this crime, how could you not be? From the ABC article I mentioned earlier, Anna got the maximum sentence. She was sentenced to nine years in prison for conspiracy and grand theft. Anna's husband pled guilty to, quote, conspiracy to file a false insurance claim and attempted grand theft with damages exceeding $2.5 million, end quote. And he was sentenced to more than 12 years. So Anna's got a sentence for a little more than nine years. Her husband has a sentence for around 12 years. After sentencing, Anna said that the whole plot was her husband's idea. She was really frustrated with the fact that Brian, remember the supplier of the finger, whose finger it was, she was frustrated that Brian was never punished. Anna said, quote, He got away. He's a hero. He should be be back here with us, end quote. Anna also admitted that she brought the finger into the Wendy's, ordered the chili, and then pretended to spit it out. She said that their plan wasn't to target Wendy's specifically, but rather just to go forth with the scam, and Wendy's was just the unfortunate victim that happened to be their choice of restaurant. Anna and her husband were ordered to pay nearly $21.8 million to Wendy's and its owner, JEM Management. However, according to Jonathan Gladders' reporting for the New York Times, Anna's husband's lawyer, so the hus- yeah, Anna's husband's lawyer, his name was Charles Kramer, said that, quote, Wendy's indicated they are not even going to pursue restitution provided our clients do not pursue a movie deal or a book deal about their experience. The corporation seems to recognize that these people do not have 21 million dollars, end quote. One thing that's interesting to me about sentencing is when they do sentence those big numbers, like, oh, they were ordered to pay, you know, 21.8 million dollars, but... Clearly they didn't have that money, so I'm always curious what the point of sentencing all that money is if there's no way that it's going to be repaid. But it did seem like Wendy's recognized that, you know what, these people don't have the money. As long as you don't pursue a book deal or a movie deal, we're not going to go after that $21.8 million. Mr. Kramer, the lawyer, again, he was asked what he thought about the severity of the sentence and this comes from that same New York Times article, he said that, quote, As fraud cases go, it seems to be some of the folks that took down some of these huge corporations a few years ago and defrauded investors, employees, and retirees out of billions of dollars are getting less time, end quote. So my my thoughts on that are, it kind of seems like he was wanting maybe, well, I don't know if he wanted, but it maybe seems like he thought they should have gotten more time for what they did because... It did have such a big impact on Wendy's, which we're going to talk about in just, like, a second. That quote was kind of interesting. It seemed like maybe the lawyer thought they should have gotten more time. The man who actually made the batch of chili that the finger was quote-unquote found in, he was a 10-year employee of Wendy's, and he was one of the employees that testified at trial. His name was Hector Pineda, and he said, quote, I felt so bad for the fear of what people would think of me we are the ones that have suffered, end quote. And that brings up a good point because not only was Wendy's, the actual corporation and business hurt by this, but the employees were hurt by this as well. I can't imagine, I'm sure probably people got a lot of like, I don't know, teasing or like, oh, you work at Wendy's, good luck, you know, finding a finger or whatever. And like, I'm sure most of it was probably harmless, but for the people who worked at that restaurant and worked in the area, I'm sure they had their hours cut. I'm sure that they probably just had a lot of, I don't know, fear or like hesitation going into work. And that's really unfortunate that the act of, two people cause all of that harm. So looking at the harm that happened to the business of Wendy's, it was reported that Wendy's franchises in the Northern California area, so like in the Bay Area where this happened, they were losing between 20 and 50% of their sales, and that equaled out to be... My ride here, my ride is here again. So they lost between 20 and 50% of their sales, and that equaled out to about a loss of $1 million per day since the news had been made public on March 22nd of that year, 2005. And about a month and a half after the news went public on March 22nd, Mr. Lynch said that sales had been returning back to normal, but they were not all the way back to what they were before the scandal. Alrighty, so the last thing that we need to look at in terms of the scandal is what happened after the sentencing? What's happened since the scandal? After Anna's sentencing, Anna said that the scandal changed her and it seemed like from an outside perspective she was wanting to change for the better, honestly. From that ABC article, she said, quote, It's changed me, the way I think, the way I see the world. I see a bird fly, and I think it's freedom, end quote. In later interviews, Anna did become more transparent about what happened with some of, with the Wendy's finger scandal and she released some new details. Jessica Green reported for NBC on these additional details. Anna said, quote, I cooked it, end quote, and that's referring to the finger. She said that she prepared the finger at her Las Vegas home and drove it to San Jose where she dropped the finger into the chili. Can you imagine cooking a finger? Voluntarily, it's. I mean, she was wanting to scam Wendy's clearly, but just the thought of like, okay, so you know, if you cook meat, like let's say you're cooking cra- cooking ground beef or just any kind of meat, that meat has a lingering smell that stays in your house apartment. It like it's it's kind of hard to get out, and so I I I don't even want to imagine the smell that cooking a finger would have. And one thing she didn't release is, did she pan fry it? Did she broil it? Did she put it on a skillet with some butter? Did she throw it in the oven with some Parmesan cheese on top? She didn't really go into detail about that, but I know a lot of people are wondering just for their own home-cooked recipes. So if anyone knows how to get in touch with Anna, we could have her on as, as a follow-up as, episode. That'd be really great. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm also not advocating for eating fingers. I, I'm going to take a really bold statement right now. I don't like the idea of cooking human flesh. I know that's going to be an unpopular opinion, but you know what? It's my podcast and you chose to listen. (laughs) Anna also said that she was constantly being ridiculed by prisoners and guards when she was in jail. Quote, I learned my lesson and I want to move on with my life." End quote. And you know what? Good for her. I can definitely respect her wanting to move on from that. It seems like she had a pattern of fraud in the past and she's wanting to better herself, so good for her. According to a CBS San Francisco article, Anna was released after four years instead of serving her full nine-year sentence. So she was released in 2009. However, according to a Yahoo News article published in 2013, that motivation of learning her lesson and wanting to move on with her life didn't seem to stick very long. She was back in jail for, once again, making up a story. Anna Ayala was arrested after trying to help her son stay out of trouble. She was charged with being an accessory to a felony and filing a a false police report. When I first read this, I was like, Anna, 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 are you kidding me? Why, why, why are you filing a false police report again? So here's the story and then I'll give my thoughts afterward. Her 26-year-old son had accidentally shot himself in the foot outside of her home in San Jose. Her son has a prior conviction for burglary and he wasn't allowed to own guns. So instead of coming clean to the police about what happened, Anna's son and Anna came up with a story to get around potential trouble. And the story that they came up with was they gave detailed descriptions of the people who shot, who supposedly shot, the son, and the names of the men who shot the son for no apparent reason. It was just a random shooting that they apparently knew the names of these people and they just decided to shoot the son. Then the story changed to the son chasing after a dog and accidentally shooting himself in the foot. The police smelled BS and they were like, um, this story doesn't make a lot of sense. So they started kind of pressing on Anna and the son, and then they finally came clean. And Anna admitted that she helped get rid of the gun, and that amounts to evidence tampering. She apparently pled no contest to three felony charges and received two years. Here are my thoughts on this story. One, definitely a different situation than the Wendy's one. In the Wendy's one, she was trying to scam a corporation out of money, and in this one she was trying to help protect her son. So I guess if I had to pick one for her to take part in, ideally it would be neither, but I can understand the reasoning behind wanting to protect her son more. I can definitely put myself in her shoes and I can understand that, you know, I want to protect my son, I don't want my son to get in trouble for accidentally shooting himself in the foot. However, I guess my thing My response to that would be your son has a prior conviction and he knows he's not allowed to have guns. From the article I read, it didn't really make it clear if the son owned the gun or not, and I'm assuming not because I don't think you're allowed to own a gun if you have a felony conviction, but the son, regardless of whether or not he owned the gun, he was in the presence of the gun and shot himself in the foot on accident. Why why was he messing around with guns or why did he have the gun? to the point of where he was in the place to shoot himself in the foot accidentally, I, I can't understand that. And also, this happened outside of Anna Ayala's house, so if the gun wasn't his, presumably it was hers or the family's, so why did the family allow the son to have a gun if, if he wasn't allowed to have one in the first place? It just seems like this was super preventable. And I don't really understand why it had to happen in the first place, but I can I can see why she wanted to lie for her son. Ultimately, I don't think she should have, because not only did she lie, but she got rid of the evidence. So evidence tampering, big, big no-no. She pleaded no contest, was sentenced to two years, and then... Like I said before, that was in 2013. And that's the most recent update I could find on Anna Ayala. I'm assuming she got out of jail at the latest in 2015. Who knows what she's doing now? After that sentence, there's not a lot I could find about her online. And with that, that concludes part two of the Wendy's Finger in Chili scandal. This one always interested me. I remember listening to a podcast episode probably 3 or 4 years ago as i was doing the research i kind of remembered me listening to that episode and i just remember how fascinating it was because before i listened to that the episode you know 3 or 4 years ago and before i had done the research i just assumed that someone had found a finger in the chili and it was as simple as that but as you know now it is not as simple as it seems it's also just For me personally, I liked doing this episode a lot. Like I said in the last episode, I worked at a fast food restaurant for seven-ish years. I I was a crew person, a manager, and basically everything in between. And my first episode of this podcast was about the McDonald's hot coffee scandal, and this one is now about Wendy's. So I love looking into any kind of scandal, but especially fast food scandals just because of that personal connection. Alrighty, so for the listener scandal, this person did not want to be named, but they said that they are okay with naming the town where it came from, so that is, that's what we're going (laughs) to do. Alright, this, and I'm just going to read directly from it. This person said, OMG, I want to do this so bad. Talking about like sending in the scandal. My cousin slashed my neighbor's tires, went to rehab, and got kicked out of her mom's house and threatened to kill her, and then... My aunt got ran over by horses and paralyzed from the waist down. Oh my gosh. Only problem, all caps, is that she got paralyzed two weeks ago. So it's still a little fresh, LMAO. Also, Dallas Center has a crazy libertarian hate monger woman who doxxed queer residents on Facebook and then made her own Facebook group called Dallas Center Unchained, where it is a free speech zone and I'm in it. Not in the email, but I really want to know what's in that Facebook group. (laughs) I'm sure that is super interesting. Okay, and then this person sent in like multiple things that happened in the town. So this is another thing, DCG, which I looked it up, stands for Dallas Center Grimes and, but I know where that town is, I just couldn't remember what it stood for. Dallas Center Grimes' teacher got arrested for flashing his penis at a man at a gas station, and his mugshot was everywhere, and it was a huge deal, and then he got cleared of it and proved it was a false accusation, and then he CAME BACK TO KEEP TEACHING, in all caps. One time at a Dallas Center Memorial Day service, a man stood up and read a letter between his grandpa and his grandma from 1918 during World War One. and no joke, it lasted 45 minutes, and he also used the n-word and read an excerpt about how the soldier missed his wife's body." Oh my gosh um okay first first off uh sorry to your family member who is paralyzed from the waist down because she got ran over by horses that's awful. Um also I want to know what's going on in Dallas center Grimes? Okay, so we have a Dallas Center woman who created her own Facebook group, and it's a free speech zone, so I'm interested to see what's happening in there. A Dallas Center Grimes teacher got arrested for flashing his penis, and then one time at a Memorial Day service, a man stood up, read a letter, said the N-word, and also read about how his grandparents, his grandpa missed his wife's body. The thought of having to sit through that letter reading not only using racial slurs but hearing about how someone's grandpa missed his grandma's body, oh, it, it just makes me uncomfortable to think about it. Oh, that you know what, to that person who sent that in, th- <laughs> thank you so much because th- that, wow, that one, that was a good one. There was so much to unpack there, thank you so much, That that was a good one. Yeah, so If you have your own scandal that you wanna send in, um, I'm gonna read all the social medias and the email. So if you wanna stay up with the latest, on Instagram, you can find us at Scandal101 Podcast. On Twitter at Scandal101 Pod. On Facebook, you can find us. If you search Scandal 101 Podcast, you will find our Facebook page. Our website is scandal101podcast.podbean.com. And then the email, if you have a scandal suggestion for like a full episode or if you want to send in your scandal, that email is scandal101podcast at gmail.com. And again, you can put in the email, you know, if you want your name to be read. Um, if like you can change the names of a town or, you know, if a family member, whatever, like you can change the names, whatever you're comfortable with. My goal is just to share whatever scandals people feel comfortable with, because I think a lot of people like to hear about them. So again, to the person who sent that in, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed that scandal from the listener. Thank you so much for listening. This has been episode 19 of Scandal 101.